Aquatech is going into a boom. Already we have a unicorn that is servicing some of the high-end clients like pharma. So it's starting to take off on this idea of self-sufficiency. And businesses like self-sufficiency because, number one, they're sheltered from water rate inflation, which is rising fast. Number two, they can recycle, save money. And number three, they have less pesky distractions from the regulators. So they like it. It's workable. And we even have a capital solution, so it's painless. And that is really the new, new trend. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. If that describes you, then this is the podcast for you. If you're a freelancer, a startup or small business, a well-established company, a nonprofit, or even someone thinking about a second or possibly a third career, this is for you too. You see, here in Looking Forward, we focus on global trends in the future, but most importantly, on the opportunities they're creating. Our guest experts will not only tell you about those opportunities, they will also give you some tips to help you take the first steps toward capitalizing on them. I'm your host, Jeff Ostroff. Hi, everyone. We all know that water is vital for all of us. But did you realize there are huge opportunities out there for those who, among other things, can help recycle water or remove the waste from it. This is especially true in the commercial and industrial spaces. My guest expert, Riggs Eckelbury, discusses these opportunities and much more on this episode. To learn more about Riggs, listen to the episode and check the show notes. And please don't forget to give us feedback about this or any other Looking Forward episode. Now, before we get started, I want to say a few words about our sponsor, Superpass. Do you make podcasts, video courses, or other content? Well, that means you need your own engaging website and mobile app for everything you make. And Superpass can help. Turn your followers into superfans and paid customers. Elevate your brand with your own stunning website and mobile app. And with Superpass, it's never been easier. Superpass is the most powerful content app maker on the market. And now, you can try it for free. Or like me, you can be on one of their other plans. Enter code LOOKINGFORWARD, all one word, all caps, looking forward, and get a 10% lifetime discount on any of their plans. Go to superpass.com. That's super with an A, superpass.com. And hey, if you want us to mention your organization on the show, please contact us for more details. Okay, let's get started. Well, hi, Riggs. Welcome to Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Jeff, it's such a pleasure to be here, and thank you for inviting me. Well, it's my joy to have you on because, as I said before, we went live, so to speak. I am always impressed and admire people who are entrepreneurial thinkers, who are creative, who are innovative, and you seem to check all those boxes, Riggs. Now, you're an expert on water infrastructure and water technology. And I think a great way to start would be for you to let our listeners know, how'd you get involved in that? I know that you've spent a lot of time in your life on the water, in the water, but this is sort of a twist from that. 
You're very uh, correct, Jeff. Is early on while I was involved in the nonprofit space, I actually learned how to pilot ships and ended up also in the South Pacific on tramp steamers. It was a whole adventure that was glamorous, but extremely slow. And eventually I said, enough of all this, you know, I'd like to get back into the currents of the world. And I ended up in New York City in a, in the technology space. Of course, the 80s was a fun, fun decade. I think I was the only person who was not on some kind of drug that decade. But <laughs> nonetheless, it, it was fun watching people who were crazy. But what was good for me was um, it was a time when there was wholesale adoption of computers for accounting and general distribution, wholesaling, all that good stuff, moving away from paper systems. And it was a big effort. It was also a giant learning experience for me where we really learned that you need to understand where your income is going to come from. What we were doing was a whole lot of first implementations for people that were very low margin. A lot of, a lot of time spent to get somebody going and you don't make a lot of money. The money, it turns out, was in the ongoing decades of you know IT support that you give these companies. And that's where it pays off. I didn't fully realize it at the time. And I ended up giving away the business to my, my salesman and they did wonderfully from that. Fast forward to the early 90s, I found myself on the dot-com and fell in love with it. I just had the best time. It, that was right up to the to, uh, crash of the year 2000. You know, it was helter-skelter. We had a couple exits, you know, that was fun. But truthfully, I had a chance to do more substantial work after 2000 because things kind of calmed down. So like, okay, got rid of all the fluff. I remember globe.com. There was this weird thing that there was nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I got some good work in and 2005 found me at a software company. That's the number two of the company getting it onto the NASDAQ, which it, it did successfully. But I didn't want to stop there. I wanted to be a CEO. And I was offered an opportunity, but not in tech. And that took me to this next phase, which is, okay, I'm a tech guy. I love disruption. I love changing things. You might call me ADD. I would have, would have probably been drugged as a kid. I'm just that way. Like, you know, you know constantly looking out the window at the, in the classroom, uh, bored to tears. And so what initially we were um, in an interesting space, very, very interesting space called Algae for Biofuels which remains very promising. I have a funny feeling the price of oil is going to be rising again yeah. because of what's going on in the place where most of the oil comes from. But at the time, we had a wonderful, promising uh, technology and that was being, you know, we were just moving so fast. And then fracking hit and all of a sudden the price of oil crashed to below $50. And we realized that algae for the time being was a science experiment. And I'd learned from my lesson in the 80s don't give up, pivot, right? Pivot. Pivot. And this is my uh, concept of break to build, right? In other words, you're, you're in a weird place. Maybe you're going sideways, you're crashing, you're whatever. Okay, now pull it apart, figure out what's going on, and, and you can restart. And we did. We took uh, the technology we were using for uh, separation of algae from water to get it out because it's mostly water. And we applied that to sewage. And all of a sudden, we were in the industrial water industry. Wow. And suddenly the media was like, who are you? Because people love to say water is important, but they don't want to, they really don't want to know about sewage. Right. You know, too much information. And so we found ourselves under the radar. And also we found that the water industry is very, very resistant to change. Now we have a big revolution happening in water, which is that for decades now, central water infrastructure has been underfunded. 
And even if you had the money, where would you put the giant central plants anymore? I'm here in Pinellas County. It's full of houses. I'm sorry. And, and nobody wants the sewage plants next to their home. And you're not going to do landfill and build over the water because it'll take 25 years to get the environmental permits. It's never going to happen. So it's impossible to do those big central projects like they had the Hoover Dam pre-World War II. Well, they didn't mind if occasionally somebody fell into the concrete coffer dam and died. It was part of the deal. We don't do that, things like that anymore. So the era of these heroic, gigantic projects uh, really have gone away. We are getting more and more problems with infrastructure. Added to that is the fact that the water industry is facing what we call a silver tsunami, where about 7 million jobs are, are becoming unfilled due to retirement. They're good jobs, engineering jobs, you know, knowledge worker jobs. They're going to fill. Now, so let's take the two trends here. One is infrastructure falling apart. The other is staffing just dwindling badly. I understand the military wants to start drafting people. I don't think the water industry can draft people. So what's it going to do? Well, the key is the solution to the broken down infrastructure, which is to let industry do its own thing. Already, there's pressure on industry to recycle more. America does not recycle. PepsiCo just made a commitment to recycle 80% of their processed water. So it's happening all over the place. And so more and more self-help in water treatment, still getting the water, the virgin water from the city. I can't tell you how many people go, well, water's free, man. How come you're taking all the water for yourself? Like, no, no, no. We want to treat the filthy water that is not being treated. There's, you know, a terrible stat that 80% of all the sewage in the world is just not treated. Now, this is not true of America and Europe, but it's certainly true of places like India and Bangladesh. The solution then to these needs for high capital that are not happening. And you know what? I just realized, let's declare a water war. Then there'll be billions going to it, right? That's it. Don't do that. No, anyway, I, that, was, that was a nasty crack. But sure. the fact yeah. is, is that we're not funding highways. We're not funding you know, all, all kinds of infrastructure issues. In water, it's very simple. 90% of all water demand is by industry and agriculture. So if you can take those people off the grid, you free it up to service the people, which is the original mission of the water system. And as I like to say, you know, in Ireland, water's free. Well, why can't it be free here? Well, if we get the businesses off the grid, it can be. Wow. So that's a, a long way of saying how you got involved in this. <laughs> that's okay. You know, it would be helpful, Briggs, if you could just talk briefly about water infrastructure, because yes. not everybody knows that. Infrastructure is such a big deal. And we're in the United States, but of course we're global. It's a big deal everywhere. Maybe water infrastructure you could speak a little bit about. Well, in America, we built a good system. For example, um, there's the famous Delaware uh, Reservoir and Aqueduct System in New York, which from decades has made New York water the best water probably in the world for a city. And so we did a pretty good job. The problem is, is that after World War II, we really stopped funding it. Operations and maintenance costs, which means the cost of just keeping it going, have steadily gone up since 1960, on, 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 up, because there's no modernization happening. Number two, the federal government stopped funding. They hit a high in uh, the 70s, and then it's been dwindling ever since. And now it's no longer even grants, it's loans. So the feds are not helping. Look at the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that was passed a couple of years ago. It only had one two thousandth of that or 55 billion allocated for water. Mm -hmm. So there's just no funds. So that's number one. 
and as I remember too, as I say, the central giant heroic, um, you know, concrete structure idea is going away because population centers are full. And there's another interesting trend, which is COVID migration. Post-COVID, we've had a lot of people move away from the big cities to the exurbia. So rural, suburbs, et cetera. Those are not equipped for these new arrivals. Generally, it's being overstressed. So all of a sudden, you end up in the middle of Pennsylvania and it's accustomed, they're accustomed to having a small population. All of a sudden, it's boomed. That is a problem as well. And so, for example, we did a, a project in Pennsylvania for a car dealer that needed to relocate. It could only find land where there was no sewage. So we set him up so he was completely independent of sewage. And he got a great deal on the land because it was cheap. And in addition, he didn't have to worry about, you know, miles and miles of sewage. So that is the new model. In terms of numbers, currently we're running behind about $100 billion a year in the U.S. alone on infrastructure spending. Can you just and, explain though what infrastructure is again for, well, okay, for people so who aren't familiar with it? These giant central plants that do the water treatment, that's number one. Number two is the network of pipes and pump stations. There's, for example, there's millions of pump stations out there. That's just basically a well with a pump at the bottom. If you have to go uphill, that's what you use, right? You use these pump stations. And so that's, that's basically the infrastructure that we use. In America, we built that infrastructure to go only one way, receive the sewage, treat it, and then release it. No recycling, which is why America's recycling rates are so terrible. Israel recycles almost 90% of its water. America, less than 1%. Hmm. And then we complain about droughts, but we're not recycling. Our company right now is helping New Orleans deal with the tremendous influx of brackish water due to the Mississippi River being very, very low, almost unnavigable. And so salt water is moving into the parishes. And so, yes, the Army Corps of Engineers is, is barging in fresh water, but we are putting in place these huge desalination systems as fast as we can. But it would be less of a problem if we reused our water properly, if we didn't drain the bucket completely. So that's the other issue. So in, in short, we have a perfect storm of infrastructure problems, but the good news is there's technology to decentralize it, to pull it away. And Jeff, you know what happened with AT&T. I mean, the breakup of AT&T led to a boom in telecom, MCI, the baby bells, even the internet came out of that, right? Similar thing happening in here. Aquatech is going into a boom. Already we have a unicorn that is servicing some of the high-end clients like pharma. So it's starting to take off on this idea of self-sufficiency. And businesses like self-sufficiency because... Number one, they're sheltered from water rate inflation, which is rising fast. Number two, they can recycle, save money. And number three, they have less pesky distractions from the regulators. So they like it. It's workable. And we even have a capital solution, so it's painless. And that is really the new, new trend. Interesting. You mentioned Israel and you compared it with the United States in terms of recycling. When we're talking about the problems that exist with water infrastructure. Are these problems universal except for Israel? I should say a problem that's not being taken care of. Well, in many, many places, it's far worse. Take a look at India. India is spending $90 billion on hydrological projects in the Himalayas, and they have to, to channel the water and so forth. But almost nothing on the sewage systems in the cities. And as a result, you have 
human beings in there with shovels, often passing away and dying from the sewage gas because there's just no infrastructure whatsoever. So when the cell phone revolution came along, Africa adopted cell phones without, without even bothering about landlines. They just went straight to the cell phone. Similar thing in places like India. Why spend a trillion dollars on, on an infrastructure for that country when you can just put in place these on-the-spot, treat-in-place solutions, which are now mature? The technology exists and people can do self-help and it's much, much cheaper and quicker. So that is emerging for that. Now, Europe has been more diligent than America. I summered a couple of years near Rome. There was a crater lake, uh, Lago di Bolsano, a beautiful lake. And surrounded by farms, the entire crater was farms. In America, that would make the water green from all the nutrients running into it. The water was limpid, clear. Mm. So obviously the Italians paid attention and made sure that they did not let the outfall from these properties, the fertilizer, get into the, to the lake. So yes, the top European countries are still far ahead of everyone else. UK, not so much. UK went ahead and privatized their reservoirs. And as a result, they're in a sorry state of disrepair. We are very much against privatizing the central water systems. The government does fine with fresh water. Let them keep doing it. They're overwhelmed with dirty water, but that's all we have to do then is take the load off the dirty water. And that's true all over the world. I think China has a big problem with sewage. Big, big problem. Their rivers are disgusting. And they abandoned all that stuff in a rush to industrialize. But now that's coming around to roost. Take a look at Mexico. We have this whole thing called deglobalization happening, where suddenly people trying to sell stuff in America realized that they were at the mercy of China and then China shut down. And that was a big, severe reality adjustment. And as a result, there's a lot of reshoring going on. People are figuring out how they can make stuff in North America, primarily Mexico. But Mexico has not been very attentive to keeping the water clean. Uh, I have a good friend who, who has a water treatment business in Puebla, Mexico, and the Atoyac River is filthy. It runs rainbows. That is going to have to be handled, and it's going to happen naturally because American companies operating in Mexico tend to mandate what they do in the U.S. already by nature of their own governance. It will get better, but again, what, what do you do? Well, again, on-site treatment. Let's take my friend who services a local in industry and he sends trucks around to pick up the sewage and take it to a central facility where he treats it. Well, it's a natural to have little boxes at each one of those locations that dewater the sewage. And then he's only trucking the concentrate and the rest of it goes into the, the uh, groundwater treated. That's a natural solution. And it will save a ton of truck trips and it'll make it a lot less expensive. And that's a very interesting direction that he can take. Only the Anglo companies in Puebla are doing this. The Mexicans are like, no, 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 it's too much money. But it's a trend. It's a trend that's increasing and it's going to be more and more. Mexican government's very interested. Governments in general, let's take a look, for example, at one of the big problems we have in America, which is trailer parks. We hear about trailer parks being ripped up in tornadoes, but they also have a problem with water sanitation. Typically, trailer parks, of which most of them are south of the Mason-Dixon line, have what is called passive water treatment. What does that mean? The stuff gets dumped into a lagoon mm. and it sits there and turns green. Well, the local state departments of environmental protection are clamping down on that. And we have a growing business of helping these trailer parks do their own water treatment because the cities want to no part of the problem. What I'm saying is we have a dire problem, but there are solutions. And coming back to the theme of what you're talking about here, 
there's tremendous opportunities for people wanting jobs or entrepreneurial opportunities. I really hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you are, can you please do me a small favor? Let some of your family members, friends, or others in your network know about it and about looking forward opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. And hey, if you happen to like this podcast, my interviewing approach, or maybe even my voice, please consider checking out some of the many services my business provides. These include podcast hosting, creation, and consulting, voiceovers, professional interviewing, production of audio or video profiles to help you sell your business, promote your services, increase your customers, or raise funding, and services to help you market to the large and growing seniors population. That's something I've actually written a book about. To learn more, please visit www.jeff-ostroff.com. You can also email me at jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. I want to get more into that, Ruth. What you're talking about, there are new ways, new technologies that will not only be beneficial to businesses like the auto dealership that you talked about, but also will benefit the society in general and the drinking water that they're drinking and the availability of that water because of recycling. Is that what we're talking about here, Rick? Okay, so the, the number one thing that will help everyone else is, of course, the hogs, hogging the system being pulled off it. If you have two people riding a horse, the horse is getting tired. One of them needs to get off the horse. That's the problem we're dealing with with uh, centralized infrastructure. It's plenty adequate if we start migrating businesses away from relying on the central system and they like it. I would say there continue to be a, you know work opportunities inside the centralized system and the companies that are um, synergistic with them, the ones that service the utilities and so forth. Absolutely. But there's a new world also where businesses are directly adopting water treatment technologies and recycling. Well, let's have you get right into that. You know that the main focus of Looking Forward is to talk about opportunities. And we're talking about this massive problem of water infrastructure, trends that surround that, new ways of looking and approaching the challenges. Our audience... Job seekers, career seekers, business seekers, and investment seekers. Can you talk, Riggs, about where you see those opportunities? Well, here's another macro trend, which is that we are in the world, we're moving away from currency-based systems to commodity-based systems. Why? Because currencies have been abused. It's obvious. Too many governments have been playing fast and loose with money issuance for too long. And so more and more, there's a trend towards commodities can only falsify the price of a pound of pork belly so much. It is what it is. You know, there you are. The pendulum is swinging more and more towards uh, commodities. And what's interesting is that water is becoming an asset, an investment asset. It was being handled by the government. Now it's coming out into private hands for the treatment, not the, not the, not the fresh water. What we're doing is we're setting up these water systems for local businesses and often they don't have the capital. And that's where we deliver them water as a service, meaning they'll pay on the meter just like they used to, but the machine will be on their site. It'll be our machine and they won't pay 
the capital costs, they'll just pay as they go. There's an, an opportunity here, which is very similar to the oil well. I don't know if you've heard of master limited partnerships, but basically it is a world that complements big oil where they have these uh, baskets of energy properties, pipelines, natural gas, oil. And there's about, I think about 60 of these partnerships, total market value, about $300 billion. Investors make generational royalties off of this. They're passed on from generation to generation. And there's an opportunity to do that in water. We've set that up. We're the first to do so. There's other players in this water as a service space, but they tend to tap either big, big funds like Morgan Stanley or VC money. We are the only people working with the everyday investor. And so that's super exciting for people who are looking for investing opportunities that are not just throw a bunch of dollar bills in the breeze, but actually have an asset-backed opportunity. So that's been very, very popular. And we're funding these projects with this capital right now. That's exciting. The investment side, it sounds almost like crowdfunding in a way or you know some other way that the general public can get involved. What about jobs, careers? This water challenge that we face, it goes way beyond infrastructure, as you alluded to with droughts. But within the space that we're talking about, where do you see the potential for people getting involved in actually making this happen? The workers, could there be careers coming out of this rigs? First of all, local water service companies are growing. These businesses that are now doing their own water treatment, they need somebody to help them service the systems. And so there's a whole service business growing and also building the systems because as we expand our capital program called Water on Demand, we will use local water companies to do the implementations. I'm not going to go send my people to Seattle to build a system. I'll just fund a system that this local Seattle water company builds and then maintains and everybody's happy. So building and maintaining systems, water is about engineering. It helps to know something about engineering. However, you can learn a lot of it through apprenticeship. I, I don't believe that you can run a water company without knowing how to bend the iron, you know, install the filters and do all that stuff. I, I just don't think it's possible because you'll, you'll get trapped by all the knowledge you don't have. So the first thing people should do if they don't have an engineering background is to go apprentice as a pipe bender in one of these water companies. Get a low-level job and just learn on the job how to do these things. And then there's all kinds of continuing education programs that they can take as they go. And you just learn while you work. And over time, your paycheck is going to improve. If you like engineering and so forth, and you're pretty strong with it, then it's worth considering getting going in the water business as an entrepreneurial opportunity. It's a time of growth for water and water does not crash. People keep making dirty water dirtier all the time. Yeah. So... There's nobody in Saudi Arabia telling us we can't have our water, which is the problem with petroleum. We have water everywhere. And this is a relatively global opportunity. I mean, certain places are probably already doing this. So there may be an opportunity to plug into what's already happening. But what you're describing is this is not just the United States. These new technologies to treat the wastewater, they're needed pretty much everywhere. So there's an opportunity for entrepreneurs to get involved with these service companies, as well as people who would work for the service companies. Well, it used to be a lot like civil service. You had to kind of work your way up, you know. I remember when I was in New York City, I knew that these, the back road into civil service was to be a traffic cop, right? So, but it took time, it took time to work your way up the ladder and then you had all the benefits. That is still available in water, 
But the good news is, is that the barrier to entry has dropped tremendously as this, the central water people are becoming more and more understaffed and underbudgeted, and they're delegating a lot of the work out. There's really free market opportunities in water today that, that, that there was not 10, 15 years ago. This is not rocket science. This is not going away. The need for this kind of a service, water treatment, using these new technologies is going to continue through this decade to grow. Can you elaborate on that just a little bit? One of the stats is that by 2040, we will have a 50% shortage of supply against demand mm. worldwide. So what we're seeing now is only the beginnings of the problem. Also, I might add, there is a disaster business because when hurricanes sweep through or heavy droughts happen and so forth, then groups like FEMA deploy local resources. I have a good friend who supplies these portable desalination systems, for example, to the military and the FEMA and so on. And one can become a channel partner of somebody like that. My friend uh, over at Aspen Water does a great job. That's a Texas company that is doing amazing work with emergency water supplies. And for example, the uh, the military will use for a forward operating base so they don't have to worry about trucking all those bottles of water in. They just put in place a system that takes whatever water is in the ground and takes the toxins out, the salt out, and now you can drink it. So, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Water management has been very responsible. I mean, look, hey, why do we have a problem with Mississippi running dry? The Midwest, rather Mississippi, is has a lot of rain. So what the heck? And what it is, is we've been over pumping. The Ogallala Aquifer, which lies under the Midwest, is down 150 feet. Water is very hard to replace. You can't just pour water in there. It's got to seep in over a period of years. It's been estimated that as the Ogallala Aquifer is finally depleted, it will take 600 years to recharge it. So we have big water stewardship problems in America, but also the rest of the world. The solutions are relatively simple, and the technology is there. We were one of the people that initiated a great compact water treatment system technology called modular water. It's part of our growth model right now, and that, that division is taking off because uh, you have these high demand areas. Let's take a look, for example, at what's happening in North Texas. Right now, North Texas is in a, is in a land boom, been running ahead of sewage, and so we're putting in place these on-site water systems. Again, it's a great business. You mentioned about getting into this business. If you're going to be working in it, if you're going to be owning a business like this, you said apprenticing would be a good idea if you have engineering skills. What other tips? Well, I think the, the main thing is to uh, network around in your local area to see who is in water. There's need for non-engineering positions, you know, accounting and executive positions, managerial positions and so forth that deal with money in, money out, that kind of stuff. Yeah. IT opportunities. There's a lot of remote management coming in so that more and more systems can be managed remotely. The technology is mature. There's, there's opportunities in IT for water, and that's another big, big area. And a lot of your listeners are pretty good with IT, and the water industry needs that very badly. So I would say get to know who's doing water work in your area. Is it commercial or is it residential? Remember that residential is a good space, but it's got a lot of people in it, and it's only 10% of the local total water demand. 90% is industrial agricultural. So that's where the opportunity is. People don't look at When I say I'm in water, they go, oh, do you take care of single homes? No, I don't do single homes. Why? You know, like the uh, the bank robber said, I rob banks because that's where the money is. Right. I service industrial clients because that's where the demand is. That's where, that's where all the water is being made dirty. So 
all the all the job positions you can think of, just start looking in water and you'll be amazed to find there's a whole economy in your local region that's doing that work, generally unnoticed, but it's happening. In my area, we have Chester Water Authority. You know, they're the ones responsible for our water. We're not so much talking about that kind of an opportunity or company, are we, Riggs? Right. There's, there are some opportunities for that, but it's like a civil service kind of thing. I would say that the companies that are directly servicing businesses with their water needs are the growth area, and those are the ones to look for. Briggs, this has been great. You've opened my eyes up to an area that I wouldn't have thought a lot about. I certainly know about the water shortage, water technology. I don't know too much about that. But this whole other world, the 90% of the water demand is not coming from me. <laughs> coming from people like me. I think right. this is pretty remarkable. How can people find out more about you, about Origin Clear, and anything else you'd want them to know about? Origin Clear is basically an incubator. And so what we did recently, we have taken everything we've built over the last 10 years and packaged it into a company that is currently on its way to hopefully getting on the NASDAQ. That's a whole other story I can't really talk about because I'm a public company CEO. But what it does mean is that Origin Clear is continuously doing new incubation projects. And so if you're interested in hearing more about that, go to originclear.com, click on the Invest Now button. Be sure to sign up for my weekly CEO briefings where you find out all the fun stuff we're up to. And you get a lot of commentary, like what you've been hearing, Jeff, about what's happening in the world with asset inflation, with water, et cetera. And so we'd love to have more people joining us on that show every week. We're up to like 220 or something like that. 220 and shows, 220 shows. Correct, right. yes. Okay, yeah. Public companies used to have these broker calls back in the day and brokers went away, but direct investors are there and that's who we talk to. And we love it. We put a lot of effort behind it and it's a great way to connect with us. So those are the two ways. You can also visit waterondemand.net, which is our interesting capital formation subsidiary that we are funding from Origin Clear. And again, people can participate in generational asset investments, which are very similar to what's happening in oil. This sounds terrific. I'm going to look into this further myself. Again, it's something I hadn't thought about. Riggs, thank you so much for sharing this expertise with us about such a vital thing. I mean, I can't think of almost anything else that's more vital. Food and water, right? Shelter, of course. And being our guest here on Looking Forward Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Jeff, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. I hope you've enjoyed it and will benefit from it. And if you did like it, please share this episode with anyone you know who you think might also find it of value. And if you have any comments or questions about Looking Forward, or any suggestions for future topics or guest experts, you can reach me at the website www.jeff-ostroff.com or through my email address, jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Thanks.